Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. My name is Charles Jeffrey, and I am the creative director of the brand Loverboy, which I started five years ago. And um, I studied at Central St. Martins. And um, yes, over to you, Fabio. Hi, I'm Fabio Pirbas, and I'm the course director of MA Fashion at Central St. Martins, and a tutor to both of you in the past. Yes, illustrious tutor of the MA. Um, it has, has um, I will admit, made me cry before, but all for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Matty, we shared a table together, didn't we? Or at least like a kind of like um, group, like a kind of grouping. We did, yeah. Against that mirror, which was kind of weird placement, really, wasn't it? We looked into that mirror across the... Yeah, we, were all, we would always kind of catch each other's sort of eye like magpies, which was kind of funny. I mean, I would end up just like checking myself out just like when I was nervous, just making sure that my hair was okay when I had hair and I had like long hair like you, Matty, just before fitting. It's like, well, at least if my hair looks good, and my outfit looks good, then that's, then that's valid. It feels like so long ago now, doesn't it? Well, it was, my mum messaged me and um, said, well, I mean, this is more for the beer, but she was like, oh, I just got a notification. Your graduation was seven years ago for, B, for BA. Because me and you, we both did the BA together. I mean, we've known each other for about, well, if, I mean, if it's been seven years since we've graduated, add another four onto that, that's like 11 years. That's crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, 11, well, since, since, since BA, the start, so about 11 years. At least 10, a decade, Matty. We've known each other for a decade. Um, so would you like to give yourself a little introduction? My name's Matty Boven, and I run the label Matty Boven. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So, um, as I said, I think like the kind of conversation that we want to try and have today, and it is just a conversation, um, is just about, I guess, like the role of the fashion student and um, how lockdown has changed that drastically sort of for them. And I guess um, sort of we can muse on, I guess, you know, ways of working um, in comparison to how they have been before and you know like this idea of like new ways of being creative and I guess like the role of sort of primary research and making your own work and all that kind of stuff so um Matty as I said we shared a table together and we um sort of worked in very different ways but in some ways we actually worked in quite similar ways so um I would be interested to know your sort of um reflection on the way that you work and I guess, how has that changed during lockdown, if it has changed at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, I guess where we kind of cross over, especially on the MA, was we both um, like, well, we both like try things on as well, which is kind of, it was never really a, I guess, a, we always like to do it. It was never really an option. We just, you know, it's, it's enjoyment of it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of clothes and everything. Um, so I used to document stuff and, you know, I think we both kind of like that side of it, 
kind of the process side of it. Um, mm-hmm. I have I've actually been doing a project in lockdown in my house. Um, I've been doing loads of like sort of weird. Uh, self-portrait things where I'm kind of I'm not really in them but I am and it's to do with uh, the stuff I'm launching on my shop so it's been quite nice it's been like very um, very much going back to that where it's just literally been me battling with a camera you know on self-time and stuff. <laughs> but I always like that I always will I think it's way more interesting when it's a bit more off and a bit more rough and a bit more I think for me a creative process I like to be alone for some of it you know I'm very much that person I guess mm-hmm. I'm stereotypical German eye. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's the thing. I like um, I, I, when we were both on the MA. Like Fabio, I know you sort of encouraged. Um, well, I, I know you sort of encouraged us to sort of like look into ourselves and look at the way that we both sort of w- wore things and use that as a sort of vehicle for our own design practice. Um, how important do you think? that process is for students these days, you know, this idea of sort of looking inward as opposed to looking outward into the fashion industry or to, you know, um, I guess this idea of sort of like emulating people or, you know, how important do you think it is to kind of like look into oneself or sort of find a new way of working? Well, it is important because, I mean, that, that's, that's the only way, really, well, that's the main way to go forward in a way of um, originality, really. Um, I have concerns about this inward looking um, because if, if, if on one side it's, it's really important and it's important to understand who you are as a person, emotionally, aesthetically, politically, socially... Um, then it can become a bit of a kind of um, self-analysis that uh, sometimes is counterproductive. Uh, I think that, you know, in a way you need to find the right balance. I mean, for students, that's actually quite difficult. So I think that they get pushed quite a lot in general uh, to creatively being introspective. And sometimes it's very comfortable for a student to remain there. I think that what I'm trying to do is to sort of uh, make them come out of that be connecting with the world because that and you know you can see that in the in the way that in the way students design today i mean it's in a way it's all about me my life my inner life and and that has a charm and that needs to be in a way uh, guaranteed at all times because i mean that brings something quite special at the same time they really need to open up to um to to understand what others do to at least not, not to not to copy it or not to to be part of it to actually maybe understand where they don't want to go so being informed and not just being informed by yourself that that's the, it's a big issue for me that I mean obviously things are opening up now and things are becoming a lot more sort of um, slowly but surely coming back to normal I know that the colleges are going to be opening again at some point in the next couple of months and with the um, practice being very very studio based. If we were to go back into like another lockdown again, and this was to be something that is a pattern for the next year or two before we find a cure, like how does the student contend with that in a way? Well, it's, it's again, I mean, I think that students like, like non-students are people living the present. So uh, we as educators are people living the present. So therefore we just have to react to whatever the moment is. And I think that after the shock of the initial lockdown, which was a shock, you know, we went from 
days, we went from something that was business as usual, you know, without thinking remotely of what the consequences of that uh, pandemic were, because we were so focusing on what we were doing, to be to evacuate the college literally with students having to abandon stuff in their lockers. So after that shock, then work continued in a different way. You know, I mean, I, I think that... Um, the, the, the beauty of being human is also this kind of resilience that we don't trust a lot of times. You know, we sort of like, we feel this kind of strange comfort in having all these um, setups that, that make us feel that, you know, we, we are protected. But when that goes, it doesn't mean that we die. It means that we sort of find ways. And I think this year, for instance, you know, in, in what is defined as summertime, so from April to, to June, I think at least... Uh, both, I think, undergraduate students and, and, uh, and MA students have produced really, really interesting work. But for a long time, you know, we've been in a situation where not necessarily for us in Western Europe, say, it was, it was that, um, that evident, but other countries have that fragility at all times. It doesn't mean that they don't operate. You know, them and others. I mean, you know, there's somebody who's, who operates uh, a fashion label from uh, Tripoli, and it's pretty cool. It's called Fashion Emergency. It has a shop in, Le in Lebanon, in Beirut. There's somebody operating a fashion business from Palestina during Jordan Fashion Week. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many fluctuant scenarios in the world. So, I mean, okay, fine, we've got a pandemic, move on. You know, and, and I think that there are, there are things that come out and I think students are wonderful in that sense because as much as it can be frustrating and they need premises, they need machinery, they need all the comfort. But when you leave the, when you leave the course, say, like, you know, you two, for instance, you know, it's not as if like then suddenly you have this massive studio with cutting tables, print rooms, photographic studio. You know, you have to collaborate with people. You have to, to find ways to actually do things and maybe ways of using your kitchen table or your floor. At least it's a process. And then from that, from that, then you can, you can take it somewhere real. So, you know, you're not there at a, at a cutting table pretending to be professional. Let's do maybe something completely um, mm -hmm. honest and, uh, and instinctive and maybe something comes out of it. And I think this... This is what this pandemic has brought upon us. Uh, it's forced us to be more genuine, really, and to, be, um, to have less layers of protection, which actually, creatively, maybe it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. no, I definitely I agree. I think this whole idea of like, um, you know, validating any sort of process within this space is, is super important. Um, you know, with the standard being so high and like set for students, you know, I think... It's, it's really important for us to, I guess, sort of validate that or at least discuss like the fact that like these processes are really interesting and really important. I mean, Matty, thinking about like how you worked on the MA, you know, the way that you sort of made these objects and sort of really instinctive shapes from, you know, your drawings and, and patterns and, you know, how that ended up translating into your, your work. I mean, how, how much has your work kind of that process developed the more that you've been doing you know more of a professional label or has it you know still stayed the same like what things are you sort of carrying forward like um, I guess just to kind of get a view on how important that instinctive sort of primal way of working which is truly yours how important that still is now I guess yeah well I guess I would say it still starts in a similar way it's very um, I always describe it as really emotional but I don't know if it is that emotional 
I, I describe it as, um, you know, sort of pinpointing something. You know, I know what I want at the start of every season, but of course it's incredibly fluid. And then we do, obviously, loads and loads of research, you know. I have... So I like to have so many references and all the boards and everything. But of course, you mm-hmm. still have to have that open, that open sort of area where it's sometimes things just appear and sometimes things just happen. You know, that that's always really important to be fluid in that way, I guess. But I mean, also, I guess, uh, yeah, I started to look at real clothes more and more, you know, and I'm fascinated. And I've started wearing real clothes more and more. <laughs> You know, um, it's to me, it's kind of fascinating to wear a pair of jeans because I never, I never grew up wearing. You're, a pair you're of very jeans. into your denim right now, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> into voguing. Yeah, no, um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. I yeah, I never grew up wearing denim or trainers really in that way. So for me, it's all kind of fascinating. But you know, I, I'm, I'm going between ways. I mean, this is getting very uh, sycophantic to myself here. You know, but the process has changed. Of course, it changes every season. Um, I'm just. I like. I always end up liking the stuff that we make in house that can be a bit more off as well. You know, you'll know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like when you're doing with factories and everything, you get stuff back, and it's like sometimes it's too perfect and it's a bit flat. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that for me, every season's about a balance of that. You know, and trying to work out what mm-hmm. I can give people they can buy, and what I can design which actually has you know meets in between the two worlds of commercial and fantasy. Because I think that there was there's one thing that I always find really um, interesting. I remember um, watching a show studio conversation with Louise Wilson, rest in peace. Um, and it was talking about this idea of students that have maybe gone into industry and worked for like a big house and, you know, have learned all of the proper ways of doing things. And then those who have then gone into that and then started their own label like how the work almost like loses an element of spark because it's like they, they're trying to work to a certain standard or a certain way of doing things. I'm really conscious of the fact that students these days are under so much pressure to like succeed and to be, you know, successes because of the amount of money that they spend um, on education nowadays. It's super expensive. Um, and people don't really have the the bandwidth to accept making mistakes or, you know, um, being rubbish for a moment and sort of seeing the, the, the benefit in that. I wonder what you both think about the importance of being rubbish and how that is actually very formative. Well... I mean, I wonder what stu- what my students listening to my response would think. Um, uh, because I think it's very important to be rubbish, and it's it's important to embrace the fact that we all are rubbish. You know, at at some point, especially within the creative process, there's a moment of rubbishery that you know you need to go through in order then to critique your rubbish, and that's what you need to learn is to be really quite. Um, thorough and uh, and rigorous in evaluating your rubbish, because by evaluating your rubbish, then at that point you start editing the rubbish, and the rubbish becomes then something else. So, but if you start from the idea that it needs to be perfect, then you're dead before you were born. And and going back to the very first question, then it needs to be an emanation of you. You know, and that, that's, so it's not about, you know, your story about your childhood or whatever. It's all that put together that makes you now, and it needs to come out in a way that, you know. So it is, it is a very artistic process, really. 
which goes in a way in parallel against and sometimes it interacts with what we define the industry. But I think designers that are influential, designers that are the game changers, designers that are inspirational, are always people that start from that rubbish moment. I think it's um I think that's really important advice. So I think I think people especially the younger generation are I don't know whether it's the internet, I do not know obviously, but I do wonder why there is so much kind of fear of making like a mess or fear of making anything that's like you know, I always say you've got to go there to then understand I mean I'd, every season obviously I make some revolting things which actually looking back is maybe the most interesting work you know but you maybe take like an element and it can be as literal as a placement or it can be as literal as a combination of textures or fabrics or whatever and then actually then it moves on to something else it's basically constant decision making for any any sort of collection you put together in fashion is made up of basically thousands and thousands of decisions that I think you then you have to refine and you have to kind of edit to get across the story or to get across whatever you want to get across I mean that's how I see it I don't know if that makes any sense you know sometimes you no 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 it makes perfect sense I think you both make really valid points I think you know, it's kind of like, I always think of it as the metaphor of like drawing. I remember when um, first starting at St. Martin's and we were doing kind of life drawing or fashion drawing exercises. And, you know, people would sit there. I mean, I was one of those who would sit and draw something and then rub something out straight away because I didn't like it and then try and draw and then rub something out straight away and try and draw. We had this tutor called Will Broom, who's like an illustrator, um, did loads of work with Mark Jacobs and he's just, has this really kind of fabulous world of illustrations. And he was always saying to me, like, just get rid of your rubber. It's so important to just like, just go with this kind of line and just make the mistake and work from that mistake. And I think that that still is a very sort of valid way of thinking in in lots of different practices, you know, whether you're actually creating something with your hand or it's your own sort of career journey, you know, or even kind of like working with I guess, factories, you know, something could come back wrong and it, you know, it might not be the right thing or, you know, you might not like that factory and then you don't get disheartened, you sort of move forward. But I guess I'm just sort of very conscious of this idea of like the standard of, of like how sort of um, students are sort of expected to be like, to be like a sort of brand straight away. And I know that sometimes that kind of does come instinctively to some people and some people are able to sort of just be there and be present within the industry. But how, I don't know, it's like how, it's this idea of like compare and despair. Do you think that there's like a, a culture of that nowadays with students kind of like trying to compare themselves to maybe other colleges or to other designers and then that also being a sort of crippling factor? And, um, you know, if that is something that you've maybe experienced yourselves in your own careers and, you know, what, how do we combat this? Is it just a case of putting the phone down? I don't know, like this whole subject I'm really interested in exploring as well, this idea of like compare and despair. No, just before I forget, because I think it's quite um, relevant. So obviously I teach in the North as well. I teach in Leeds and Manchester. Um, And I once had a student say to me in like a group conversation that, oh, um, this is obviously, this is in like uh, two years ago or something. So it's it's recent. And they said, oh, well, no one's going to, no one's going to look at our work because we're not in London. And I thought that was really depressing and also really untrue. So I'm on a, I, I since then have really like tried to understand where that mentality comes from. And I wonder whether that was there pre-internet. Because I think the internet's a really useful tool in that. But I don't know whether... I thought it was really interesting that they already were so defeatist over it, about it being so London-centric. And, mm. I, don't, I, and I think people are looking outwards more, hopefully. 
Yeah, well, I think it's that idea of like localization, isn't it? Like, um, you know, people are hoping to, you know, be inspired by, or like not, but I think the industry is, 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 is sort of opening up a lot more and sort of, I mean, I always use you as an example, Matty, whenever I talk about this, like the fact that you're in York and, you know, you're still able to make, I mean, yes, you studied in London and you lived in London for a while, but you know, you are making, if I, if I would say my own self, the, the most interesting work you've ever made since you've been residing in York. And I think that's because of the space that you're in. And, you know, I think that there's an element of comfort there. And I think that, yeah, that whole idea of having to be in London, I think is just, that's not the case. I think own your surroundings because that, like so many people live in London is that, that whole story of the sort of St. Martin's where you go to London, you go to St. Martin's, you do fashionies, you do new gen, like that just, it's just been going for like over 10 years now. And it shouldn't be the case. I think that people, I'm super excited about like, you know, this idea of localization and people sort of focusing in, but I think that the, to that, there's maybe a responsibility for the press to go there. That's what needs to change, in my opinion, because we're going there. You know, you're teaching there. Um, I'm doing, um, you know, doing a bit of teaching myself um, in different spaces outside of London. Fabio, I know you're you travel all over the place. You're going to loads of different colleges to see things and and do talks and stuff. I wonder what you feel about this whole subject as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's about is London centric or Milanic centric. I mean, uh, 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 you know, Paris, whatever. I mean, like, I think that this is where those colleges are, uh, but you also have perfectly fantastic places all over the country. And we, strangely, we are in a moment where, in fact, it doesn't matter really where you are. You can communicate your work quite easily globally, but somehow, you know, students don't necessarily or, uh, trust that because they, they, they visualize some sort of setup somewhere in London where everything happens, where stylists go around, where you have Fashion Week, where you have uh, emerging design. So that's what they see and that's what they aspire to. So they despair to actually be part of that. It takes much more confidence to be somewhere isolated or somewhere really peripheral to actually then you know, have the stamina to do it. Then, but then, you know, you can be you can be anywhere in the world, and you have a commu- you create your own community, and then and then trying to communicate that. I mean, I agree. I mean, like I, you know, again, Matty. I mean, if one wants to be super cynical in a way, the fact that Matty decides to go to York, and you know, the the initial level of press that you would get, which was Matty Boven working from his garage, then that was the best the best communication campaign one could have. Because I think the world is actually much more ready to embrace local, to embrace uh, uh, designers that come from very unexpected places. I mean, you know, at the head of Valenciaga, you have uh, a designer that comes from not necessarily a fashion country. You know, so it's not about Paris, London, New York anymore. It's about all over the place. You know, and I think that the, the, the disconnect between what education promotes what education is also to guarantee, which is a level of employability and, uh, and, and skills and, uh, and ways for students to actually be introduced in the industry, I still think that the industry struggles to find a way that is, that is respectable and acceptable uh, at many times. Not every, I'm generalizing, but a lot of it still uh-huh. is very much like that. And so mm-hmm. uh, if you're a store, why do you need, why do you need to buy... Um, something easy? Why does your customer need to have something easy? 
at all times, because actually stores full of really easy things that nobody wants. In fact, probably as a consumer, I might, I might, I might very well like to be challenged by something difficult. Proof be again that, you know, some big brands that, you know, uh, or really influential designers never started by something easy and still don't do something easy. And somewhere along the line, you know, they're doing it very successfully, including some very luxury brand that, you know, we all know of, of part of a very big luxury group. So easy doesn't do it. So why do we still promote this kind of stuff? You know, oh, well, this would sell better. Really? What sells better is your idea, it's your creative statement, is the identity of what you do. And actually the fact that not everybody can like it and it's not about being exclusive, it's about being, uh, having a point of view and therefore not everyone can share that point of view. I think there's that, that role of, oh, sorry to interject, Matt, just, I, just keep, I really want to throw in the, into the conversation fantastic toiles the store by Nazir and how important, how important that is. But the role of these stores is so important, I think, um, and formative to the, the industry. Um, and also just like students and, you know, the fact that they're almost like a stepping stone. If there was more stores like this that kind of encouraged and validated these kind of more interesting outcomes of fashion. Like, yeah, I just wanted to throw that into mix. What were you going to say, Matty? Oh no, I was just agreeing with what Fabio said. I think it's really, uh, I think he really well put and really important because I think maybe, I don't know if it's the internet and I keep saying that. It's like I'm, I'm not an internet phobe at all, I swear. Um, but it is almost I like... I see your selfies. <laughs> it's almost like um, people, I don't know, are scared of doing anything like really out there or really, I don't know, whenever I go into shops, I'm like looking for something, you know. Whenever you go, you know, I want something that you're like, oh my God, like I've never seen, you know. I want that desire in looking at stuff and I don't really get that. And I'm not really, a, I'm not an average consumer. I understand that totally. But I don't know. I always, whenever I see something weird, even if it's not in like a high-end shop or something, you know, or in, even like interesting, it's just, I'm looking for that kind of excitement. It's more inclusive as well, definitely. It's like, you know, less architecture for the larger, more established brands and, you know, allowing more space for diversity. I mean, I know the industry is definitely looking inward at the moment and how they can be more diverse in many different ways and more sustainable. And I think that, you know, if they can adopt the ways of working that, you know, these stores have done like Fantastic Twiles and Machine A have done and, and, and find new ways of doing it within their own architecture, then I think, yeah, that's like the future. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I, could, I could sit and chat to you all for hours. I feel like we've covered some really amazing topics. And in general, it's actually really great to catch up with you all. And it's really like, you know, it's given me a little, um, just give me a little um, spring in my step seeing you both. Um, but I, I would love to thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Fabio Puras, Matty Bovan, thank you both for joining me on this podcast. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 